0: Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast by Believe, where you stay up to date in 48 on all things NBA. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside my two co-hosts in Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B. Michael Freer. This is episode number 19. Tonight we do have an opening
1: tip, and Bruce, we'll go ahead and start with you. Boston makes it official. Joe Missoula is no longer the interim head coach of the Celtics. He's now the official head coach of the team. He replaced Ime Udoka on the eve of the season when Udoka was suspended for um, repeated violation of team rules. There was the potential for a meltdown in Boston, but the team did exactly the opposite. Uh, He did a great job in his rookie, although although Udoka did a great job in his rookie season, Missoula didn't miss a beat. After starting four and three, the Celtics won 17 of their next 19, and they've had the NBA's best record ever since. He'll be coaching team Giannis in the All Star game, and with his permanent promotion and contract extension, he's now a made man. Udoka will more than likely coach in the league again next season, and all Celtics fans wish him well, including myself. But Missoula has proven he's no ordinary Joe.
0: Yeah, big shout out to Joe Missoula. Uh, definitely deserves that job after uh, what he's taken over and, and what he's continued to do in Boston this year. Uh, very excited for him and for Celtics fans. World B, what do you have for your opening tip? Uh,
2: I wanted to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I'm I'm really I look at this team and I'm really confused as to where where they fit in going forward in this league. They're not terrible team i think they're, they obviously have some good pieces but they're just 28 and 30 they just finished a home stand where they went two and three they're you know for as much being under 500 they're still just a game out of uh the loss column behind minnesota for uh sixth place so they're, they're not far out but they are in 12th place right now they're out of the playoff thing i just you know they have one of the best players in damian lillard obviously they have a young emerging star in Anthony Simons, and but it's just I don't see what I don't get the pieces, and I don't see what the future is for this team going forward because you know they just had to get re- they traded Josh Hart because they were, weren't sure they were going to be able to pick up his option or he wasn't going to take the option, and they got rid of Gary Payton after just a really brief time they signed him in the offseason and traded him away. They really didn't get a whole lot back for him. And they, you know, they brought in Chauncey Billups a couple years ago to fix the defense. They have one of the worst defenses in the league. Here's a stat for Blazers, and it's not necessarily a good one. They are the only team in the upper half of the league, a top 15 in a f- offensive efficiency, that has a negative net efficiency, meaning they're getting outscored anyway because they have a bottom five defense. They're the only one in the top 15 in offensive efficiency that's still getting outscored per 100 possessions. So I – I think they're a good team. I think they it just – we saw them last year. We weren't sure where they were going to go. And then we saw Simons develop. Oh, yeah, maybe they can go somewhere. And now it's just it's back to where they were last year.
0: Yeah, I've been surprised too as far as Portland's lack of direction. You know, there were some talks about maybe trading Anthony Simons. He had been rumored uh, to, to possibly being interested in uh, Toronto uh, as, as a team. And that could have definitely been – a big shakeup getting some of Toronto's key, key guys in, in, in the door in Portland. And uh, I'm right there with you. I think it's very interesting to see where they're at currently in the standings. And, uh, you know, who knows where they're going to go from here. But uh, really, no, no real sight of direction at this time. So we'll have to continue to keep an eye on that. As for my opening tip, I want to revisit that Celtics-Bucks game on Tuesday night that took place in Milwaukee. And I want to give major credit. To the Boston reserves, who not only had chances to win the game outright, but took the game to overtime, delivering a big scare to the Milwaukee Bucks. Boston was without their big three and Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, and still managed to shoot 46.5% from the field and held Giannis and the Bucks to just 47.8% defensively. The Celtics reserves only committed 13 turnovers and they forced. 18 by the Bucks. They also got key contributions from Derek White, who had 27 points, 12 assists. Malcolm Brogdon with 26 points off the bench. Grant Williams put together a 12-10 and 10 double-double in a team-high 47 minutes of play. And recently acquired Mike Muscala played 43 minutes for the team, scoring 18 along with eight boards. And of course, I can't fail to mention Wisconsin native Sam Hauser, who delivered big threes, including a cold-blooded one that forced overtime. So despite going up against Giannis in a game that was extended five minutes, not one Celtic fouled out. The Celtics had a chance to win the game. And now what does this mean moving forward? I think this game means a lot more to Boston than the win does to Milwaukee. And what I say by that is the fact that these key reserves having this success right now is only going to pay big dividends come playoff time knowing that they can compete with those Bucks players. Drew Holiday had a 40-point night. Didn't matter. These guys still competed. They were able to go toe-to-toe with one of the best in the East, and I was left quite impressed with Mike Missoula's squad in the Celtics. So, Bruce, kudos to your team.
1: Well, first of all, uh, thank you. It was a very inspiring performance by the reserves on that team. Um, but – as I mentioned on Twitter, I want to tell the Celtics fans to just tap the brakes a little bit on assuming that this means we're automatically going to beat Milwaukee in the postseason. While it certainly, you know, was impressive for them to to hang in there without, you know, four key guys. Um, I believe Al Horford also missed that game. So, he did, yeah. Uh, so, but okay, they didn't have Bobby Portis either. And Jay Crowder hasn't suited up yet. So it's not quite as much of a lopsided half loss, as I called it, uh, as it might appear. Because look, Bobby Portis is one of the best players on their team. You know, he's, I think you told us in our last show, he's the only reserve averaging a double double uh, in the whole NBA. Um, yep. And we know what Jay Crowder can do. And eventually he's going to be, you know, added to that team. So I believe that when those two teams ultimately play in the Eastern Conference Finals, which I do expect to happen, it's going seven, and I don't know who's winning.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight for sure. Um, I just think the importance of that game for Boston is going to pay big dividends, and we might see it come playoff time, and it could swing a few games. I mean, like you just said, it's probably going seven. I totally agree. If I had to guess, it would probably go seven. But the fact that those reserves were able to – have so much su- success, and, and gain that confidence against the best on the Bucks. I mean, it, it kind of scares me as someone who's Team Giannis, Team Bucs. Uh, I'm, I'm a little afraid of uh, having to face you guys uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: Hey, if you think about it, right, that miracle buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter by Drew Holiday... Might have been the reason Boston didn't win it in regulation. Now, you can never really say that because lots of other things would happen. But that was three points that normally they would not have put on the board. So, um, yeah, but True Holiday, man, he's he's a bad man. I mean, somebody – you know, I read something where some of the top guards in the league have said he is the toughest guard to score against in the entire NBA, and he's a deserving all-star. Interesting, it took him 11 years after his first all-star appearance – to make his second.
0: Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that Drew Holiday is an All-Star. We've got a big weekend ahead of us here as we get into our first quarter of play on the 48 Minutes podcast. I want to talk about All-Star Saturday night. We'll go ahead and discuss some of the events and you know give out our predictions for what's to come this weekend and see how right we are um, with our hot takes. So let's get started with our first event here. We have the Kia Skills Challenge. And participating in this is three different teams. We have Team Antetokounmpo's, which is Giannis's brothers Alex and Thanasis, teamed up with the two-time MVP. We've got Team Jazz representing Utah and Jordan Clarkston, Walker Kessler, and Colin Sexton, as you know was supposed to be in this. I believe he just got injured, so there should be another Jazz, jazz player replacing him. And then uh, for the rookies, they are represented by. Paulo Boncero, Jaden Ivy, and Jabari Smith Jr. So we got the top picks in this year's draft uh, competing as well. And Will B, we'll start with you. Uh, who do you got for the skills challenge this year?
2: Oh, I'm going to take the rooks. I like. Uh, okay. I like all three rookies. They've uh, they've all has uh, my been my pick for rookie of the year for a long, long time. I've uh, sung his praises on this show uh, many times already. But the other two guys, uh, Ivy looks like he is uh, a player for the next few years. They'll be a factor, and Jabari Smith is a guy who just nineteen and he's been he struggled really early in the season with his shot adjusting to how you know what it's like in the NBA and stuff. And he's gotten it together uh, over the last couple of months. He's become a much more consistent scorer. And my my choice is I'm going with the rookies.
0: All right, and I'm glad you mentioned rookies. Bruce, you mentioned off-air you might have a possible replacement on Team Jazz for Colin Sexton, but uh, I'll let you explain that and give us your pick for the skills challenge.
1: Well, uh, if it's the team as announced, the Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, Walker Kessler team, uh, that is my choice to win it. Three-point shooting will be a key, and Utah has two decent long-range shooters Sexton is over 41% and Clarkson's just around 35. Kessler hasn't taken one all season, but hopefully he's working on his shot in practice. Um, Sexton, as you mentioned, left Wednesday's game with a hamstring injury. So we'll see if he can even compete. My suggestion for a jazz player to replace him would be Oche Abaji, uh, who's a 40% uh, three point shooter himself um, The rookie team, World B, they can all hit threes, but Jaden Ivey is their best at 33.5%. Paolo's at 28, and Jabari Smith is at 30. So I think that kind of knocks them down a notch for me. And forget the Greek team, Ross. Giannis (laughs) is at 27%, Thanasis is at 0%, and Alex isn't even in the league. So uh, I also like the ball handling skills of Sexton and Clarkston and potentially Abaji. So that's why I like Utah to win it in front of the home crowd. All right. Well, I've been known as one to spice
0: things up on this podcast before. I'm going to go with Team Cumpos, And the reason I will, they they have experience doing this competition. This is not their first rodeo. They, right. they have participated in a previous All-Star weekend in this exact event. So I'm going to say that the experience is going to pay off for this trio of brothers. And uh, knowing that family and knowing Giannis' mindset, you know, he never goes into something not looking to win. So I'm going to be pulling for Giannis, and I'll go ahead and take uh, team onto the Kumpos for the skills challenge. So we've got a nice spread here. Someone's going to be right two others are going to be wrong so shout out to Giannis
2: by the way for competing in this event on all-star weekend he's got you know there you know when you're of his stature in the league you got a lot of interviews a lot of stuff on your plate and he's you know doing this again so you know doesn't have to but I'm sure playing with his brothers is the reason but still that's a fun way to spend the weekend shout out to him for doing it because not everybody does that
1: hey Ross do you think do you think Costas will coach that team yeah, you I got Vanassas, he, Alex, and Giannis. I mean, Cost. You got to get Costas in on the action.
0: He might have to be on uh, coaching the team via Zoom because I believe he is overseas playing professionally at this time. But uh, I'm sure he'll be tuned in somehow, uh, watching his brothers compete. And if he can coach them from from the side on a on a Zoom call, I'm sure he will.
1: <laughs> How funny would it be if the, if the guys pulled him out doing like a FaceTime, like you know, during, that That'd would be, be so funny. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Well, and then
0: from the Skills Challenge, we go into probably the best uh, notable event as far as names are concerned. We have the three-point contest, and this year's participants are going to be Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, Buddy Heald, Kevin Herter, Damian Lillard, Larry Markadon. Replacing Anthony Simons, just uh, reported today, is Julius Randle. And lastly, Bruce's Jason Tatum. And uh, Bruce, we'll go ahead and start with you. Who do you have your eye on as the favorite in this year's three-point contest?
1: In this competition, I really like guys who can shoot threes off the dribble rather than the guys who need a catch-and-shoot and get it delivered in their pocket before they let it go. So I don't think guys like Buddy Heald and Kevin Hurd are, are going to win this thing. I think the finals are going to probably come down to Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum, uh, and I have Lillard winning it over JT. All right, World B.
2: Well, I, I disagree here. I think Buddy Healed uh, can win this thing because he's already won it back in 2020, and so he's the only one in this group that's has a title, three point shooting title to his credit. I'm going to take Buddy. He's uh, nobody's taking more threes than him. Nobody makes more threes than him over the last four years. He's he has the most three point attempts and the most uh, most makes. He's a, a good shooter from the corner. And he's good from above the break. He's 40% in uh, both areas. So he's my choice to win it all and become just the uh, eighth player to win multiple three-point shooting contests. And the first since Steph did a couple years ago. All right. And I'm going to go with the other
0: Indiana Pacer. I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton. As you mentioned, Bruce, you know, some of these guys kind of get stuck trying to get it in the shooting pocket and, and it doesn't work out off the rack. I saw a clip of Tyrese Halliburton practicing in the Pacers practice uh, court the other day. Looked pretty good. Obviously, he's got a really funky release on his shot. Um, but I think he's putting the time in to, to go out there and really compete. And um, I think I think it could be one of those nights where we have a dark horse like Tyrese winning this thing. So uh, I'm going to take Halliburton for, for three points. So once again, we've got uh, three different picks there, which makes it all that much more exciting. So... And then lastly, we've got the High Flyers, the AT&T Slam Dunk Contest. This year, we don't have any notable names, unfortunately. But I'm curious what to, to hear what you guys have to say. I still think it's going to be an incredibly entertaining cast of guys. We have Kenyon Martin Jr., Mac McClung, who was just signed uh, on a two-way deal with the Philadelphia 76ers, Trey Murphy III of the Pelicans in Recently starting center of the New York Knicks, Jericho Sims. And Bruce, we'll start with you.
1: So Jericho Sims at 6'10 and Trey Murphy, the third, at 6'9, are the biggest competitors. Mac McClung at 6'2 is the shortest. The fourth participant is Kenyon Martin Jr. at 6'6, and he's my choice to win. Power Dunks are in his DNA, as his father Kenyon Martin Sr. can attest. And by the way, why does Trey Murphy the Third have the Roman numeral three after his name? Isn't that redundant when his first name is Kenneth and he already goes by Trey, which means he's really Kenneth the Third? Inquiring minds need to know. World B, who you got?
2: Well, I'm glad Bruce got that off his chest. I think it's been waiting on him for a couple of episodes, and we just hadn't had a chance to bring up Trey Murphy's name. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. So this has been a productive conversation. If nothing else. <laughs> Uh, my choice I'm going to have is, is probably a surprise. Kenny Martin's obviously going to be the favorite. Uh, he's got a lot of highlight, uh, highlight real type of dunks. You know, he has as many dunks as the other three combined this year, 122. He's <laughs> everybody else. Obviously Mac McClung hasn't been in the league this year because he just signed his two way deal, but that's, that's my choice. Mac Mac McClung is going to be my choice. He's the shortest guy in there. Anybody I, uh, before this, uh, Saturday, Go to YouTube. Look up uh, a mix of his uh, dunks back back in high school, or, you know, prep school, or whatever. It was really something special. He can get up. He's got a vertical almost forty four. So it's not uh, it's not out. He's not there by you know as some uh, uh, charity thing. Like they couldn't find another person. They found no. He's he's there for a reason. It's a good story too, as, as Ross mentioned. Tuesday on Valentine's Day, he gets signed to a two way, and then a couple hours later. Oh, by the way, would you want to compete in the in the slam dunk contest? So it's it's a good uh, a good uh, day for him. Valentine's Day was for him, and I think he's going he's going to be the guy. He's going to be impressive with his dunks. And if a small guy like Nate Robinson, Spud, these are obviously much smaller, but small guys who can get up and have the hang time and have the uh, versatility or artistry uh, really are impressive. So I think that's what. That's what we're going to see from him.
1: And the crowd is totally going to be rooting for him. He's going to get yeah. a lot of energy from the crowd, I bet.
2: Sure.
0: Absolutely. And I echo what World B has to say there. I'm going with white man can jump and Mac McClung. I think he's <laughs> going to put on a show for the, uh, the Utah crowd and, and NBA fans uh, across the world. And uh, this is a great opportunity for him to really put his name on the map, as uh, World B alluded to. You know, he was kind of a high school legend on YouTube with all his in-game dunks and and dunk contests and things of that nature. And now he's getting the grand stage of national TV in the NBA. I I don't think he's going to let this uh, opportunity pass by without putting on a show. He just recently had a one-on-one sit down with Shams uh, that was posted last night. And he said that he has two dunks in his arsenal that have never been done before. So we'll have to keep an eye out for those. But um Count me in as a believer. I think Mac McClung is taking home the crown this year. By the, the way,
2: crown. and by the way, I while I don't think he's gonna win, I really would like to see Jericho Sims just in terms of how high up he can get on some of his dunks or whatever. Cause he has the highest or one of the highest recorded vertical jumps at the NBA uh, draft combine It's like almost 45 uh inch vertical jump there in the you know, the testing that they do. And so the guy, his height that can get up that high, maybe he can get his head up to the backboard or something. That'd be impressive. He can certainly get it past the rim. So that, you know, to see somebody with that kind of ups at that height, that could be, you know, if he can come up with anything, it would look impressive.
0: So, So basically what you're suggesting is, do you think he should raise it to like a, I don't know, 11 and a half foot hoop and dunk there?
2: No, I'm suggesting that somebody put like a quarter on top of the backboard and let him go up okay. and try and actually pick it up. Okay. And then, but that would, or or he could do it himself. Take a quarter or whatever and put it up on the backboard himself that, while dunking the ball. Then that I would be. That would, if he could pull a stunt like that, then you know what? Don't I don't need to see the rest of the competition? I'll just give him the trophy.
1: Okay. Remember that song Basketball Jones? You guys remember yeah. that song? Oh yeah. Sure. Was, was, wasn't there a line about that in Basketball Jones about? I can jump so high you leave a dollar on the back top of the backboard and I can leave 75 cents or something. I mean, yep. Man, yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's an oldie, but goodie. But a goodie. <laughs> and, and while on the topic of Sims
0: kind of seamlessly getting us here to our second quarter, the New York Knicks have all of a sudden won three straight and have yet to lose a game with Josh Hart on the team and all three, we, all three wins. I must say, they came against respectable teams. They beat the Jazz and Nets at home and then just beat the Hawks on the road on Wednesday night. So, World B, the Knicks are your squad. We'll go ahead and get started with you. What's your reaction to this uh, current win streak?
2: Well, I mean, they're having a good run right now. They end up, you know, talk about ending on a high note, five out of six, along with three straight. They're now out of the play in uh, tournament and in the play, playoff field. And they're just a couple games behind the Nets for fifth, so they're really, uh, they're really surging. They they have one of the best offenses in the league now. That you know they've added Brunson to go. Clearly, th- the pieces there with Brunson and Randall and those guys are really clicking right now. They they have a good thing going. They're top ten uh, in offensive efficiency, which is a huge improvement from last year when they were bottom ten. Um, you know, Brunson's been, if he's not an all-star, he's certainly playing like he's he's the you know the, the biggest complaint that, of the moment probably of players who aren't in that should be in. Um, you know, his last 10 games, over 30 a game. He's got six assists a game. He's shooting well over 50%. So he, he's really doing his role. He's really lived up to all the hype when he came in. And it'll be interesting coming out of the all-star break because they got a, a fun schedule, we'll just say, after the all-star break. With you know, they go to Washington the following Friday, and then they host the Pelicans, the Celtics, the Nets, and then they gotta go to Miami and Boston again. These are teams that are battling too; they're they're for playoff position or the top of the their conference. So you know, they're going to be tested coming out of the break.
1: Bruce, your thoughts on uh, the Knickerbockers? There's a lot of things I really like about the Knickerbockers. I mean, and and I'll, I'll tell you in a minute a couple of stats that I think bode very well as far as you know what what's what they have in front of them. But as World B pointed out, Jalen Brunson has absolutely been the difference in that team this year. Uh, he's averaging almost 24. He's shooting over 41 percent on threes. But what really really makes that team work on offense is his penetration. He's getting into the paint a lot. And when he gets into the paint, he knows exactly what to do with the ball. He's kicking it out to to Randall, who's made a lot of threes this year off of uh, Brunson's penetration. He just carves up defenses. And when you have a guy on your team that does that, who can also score, but certainly distribute, that to me is like the reason. And and again, take nothing away from Julius Randall. He's a very deserving all-star. Averaging almost 25 and 11. Okay. Uh, But Brunson should be an all-star too. Um, And as uh, Ross mentioned, Josh Hart has been an ideal pickup for that team. He is exactly the kind of guy Tom Thibodeau loves. He's going to play him a lot. Since he's been there in the three games that he's played since they've been there, they've averaged 124 points. That's 10 points more than their average this year. And again, that's just since he's been there, and he's averaged 17 in those three games. So, uh, um, And and there's some more. I know you're going to say a little bit uh, here, Ross, but I have a few stats after you guys are done I want to tell people and I think will really illustrate where this team's going. Yeah, I'm glad
0: you mentioned Josh Hart. I think he's just brought even more so a revitalized energy to that locker room. I mean, even post-game after last night's big win, on, uh in Atlanta, I mean, the postgame interview with Jalen Brunson, he couldn't even have a professional conversation with the Knicks sideline reporter because so many guys were coming up to him, cracking jokes, high fiving him. And it just seems like the culture in the locker room has gotten better. You know, they had a guy like Cam Reddish who came in with high hopes of playing for the Knicks, then was probably more than likely disappointed, which, you know, maybe rightfully so as the player, he could feel that way. But now they, they've got a, a group of guys that have gelled. Uh, Josh Hart is only going to continue to uplift that locker room. He is known around the league as a locker room guy. And um, no better player, as you said, Bruce, there's no better player for Tom Thibodeau than a guy like Josh Hart to be inserted into your rotation. And I expect him to play heavy minutes and also have a heavy effect on the Knicks' success moving forward. So how about you give us those uh, great stats that you have
1: on, on New York? Okay. Okay. One of the things that I frequently talk about on this show is you can't be a really good team unless you're a really good road team. And the Knicks are a really good road team. They're 17 and 12. That's the second best road record in the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. Boston's 18 and 10. Then the Knicks are 17 and 12. They got a better road record than Denver, than Memphis, than Milwaukee, than Philadelphia. I mean, so when you can win on the road, you know, you're a good team. And then uh, the opponent's field goal percentage is uh, third best in the NBA. Opponents only shoot 45.5% against the Knicks. So now you're a good road team and you're a good defensive team. Defense travels. Those things are closely tied together. So I would say those two things bode really well. Also, they're a really good rebounding team. You don't really think of that but they're number four in rebound differential in the entire NBA, plus 3.5. The only teams better are Milwaukee and Houston, which I can't really figure out probably because that guy keeps missing layups and gets offensive rebounds, so that's why they get a lot. And then, of course, the Grizzlies, who have been near the top in rebounding differential all season long. So now they're right there as far as a great rebounding team. Rebounds, defense, great road team, three really good things. And they're even now climbing the ladder as far as scoring differential. Um, they're, they're tied for seventh best in scoring differential. Uh, and it's funny, two of the teams above them are in their own division. Celtics are number one, Phillies number five, division rivals. So those are reasons that I really see the Knicks trending well upward as we go into the stretch run of the season.
2: By the way, Bruce, the reason the Houston is on that list of yours because they're the best offensive rebounding team in the league, and they the reason can't they're the shoot. best offensive team in the league is because they can't shoot. They have more chances. But actually, Same to with, your point, to your point, right behind the uh, the Rockets on offensive rebounding are the Knicks.
1: But and then Memphis too, because you
2: always say every week they can't shoot. Yes. so and that's how they get their points, second chance and all the other stuff. Yes, Memphis is uh, third. And of the stats you told me
0: there, Bruce, uh, what really stood out to me is their success on the road. That's going to be key for a team like New York. As be mentioned, they are currently sixth in the playoff standings. If they're able to stay out of the play-in tournament, you know they're going to start their uh, round one on the road. So that's certainly not a team with that type of road record you want to face if you're one of the top-seeded Eastern Conference teams. So uh, very interested to see how uh, Tom Thibodeau continues to carry this group and guide them into a playoff position. But with that, we've gone ahead and reached our halftime buzzer. We will be back with you shortly with our second half. And we're back for the start of the second half. We'll get things kicked off here with our third quarter. And uh, let's go ahead and talk about this year's overachievers and underachievers. And um, Bruce, I'll start with you. How about about we focus in on overachievers first before we get
1: to those underachievers? Okay, my overachiever is Kyle Kuzma of the Washington Wizards. Kuz is in his sixth NBA season and he's averaging a career high 21 and a half points and four assists. He's also leading the Wiz in minutes played, just under 35, which is also a career best. Um, he's one of three players on the Wiz averaging more than 20, Kristaps Porzingis and Bradley Beal are the others. As we all remember, he began his career with the Lakers, where he was on that 2020 bubble championship team, but he was traded away two years ago in a five-team deal that landed Russell Westbrook in Los Angeles. I wonder if the Lakers would you know, like to have a do-over on that deal. <laughs> World B, who you got as your overachiever? Uh, I'm going to go out
2: and with Utah and go uh, Laurie Marketing. Um, It's hard to okay. say he's overachieved since he was a really high draft pick and he just hasn't lived. He had moments he hadn't lived up to. It. And last year he just really struggled with Cleveland, but he's averaging 10 more points a game this year than last year. He's on pace for career highs and not only scoring, but uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, an effective field goal percentage. So he's, he's really uh, been a, he's made a lot of people in Utah forget that they traded away Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and the season looked like they were going to go the way the Spurs that we you know talked about last episode, but it hasn't worked out that way. They're kind of struggling now. It's kind of catching up with them, but it's no fault of his because he continues to put up good numbers and he's an all-star.
0: Totally, and I mean he's putting up Dirk like numbers. I mean, if if you look at the side by side for this season, I think we can certainly call him an overachiever because whenever you're getting in, putting up stats along the lines of a Dirk Nowinski, I think you're you're pretty much overachieving, especially if your name's Lori Markadin. So hats just twenty five to too. Yeah, he's young. So as for my overachiever, I'm going to go Jalen Brunson. Uh, he has just made life in New York so much better for so many people. I mean, he's made Especially Julius, Rand- yeah, <laughs> World B as one one perfect example as a Knicks fan. Uh, but then you just look at the team, right? It's like he's made uh, Tom Thibodeau's job a little bit easier, having a reliable, dependable point guard running your offense and kind of leading your group on the floor. He's made Julius Randall's life easier, uh, taking a lot of pressure off him to go ahead and produce. And uh, you know, he's now even benefiting from three point land and well enough to be invited to the three point shooting contest in this year's all-star game. So you got that. And then of course, uh, his old friend Leon Rose, he's made his job a lot safer. I mean, this, this decision to bring Jalen Brunson in on a max contract appears to be working out for New York, New York thus far. And they look to continue to build with Jalen Brunson. You know, we mentioned Josh Hart, they were Villanova teammates, good friends. And, uh, you know, I I really like what's going on in New York all of a sudden. I don't when's the last time we were able to say they're they're building around the right pieces and have the right guys in place to 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 go ahead and move this this franchise forward into what hopes to be a playoff run. And I think they're gonna get that job done this year. And I don't think there's any hope of the playoffs without Jalen Brunson. So that would be my pick as my overachiever.
1: This is the fiftieth uh, anniversary this year of the Knicks' last championship, so maybe 1973. you know. yeah. It's a, it's it's been a bit of a drought, uh, yeah. but it's but so but but things are looking up there in uh, Gotham.
0: Yep, absolutely. And then, as far as underachievers are concerned, will be. I'll get started with you on this one. Who is your underachiever for the season?
2: Well, from one Nick in Brunton to another Nick in R.J. Barrett, would be my choice. Oh, Uh, He's really been a disappointment uh, for the Knicks. I know he's scoring almost 20 a game. His scoring average is about the same as last year, and that's fine. So maybe that's not a fair thing to do. But he just signed a four-year, $120 million contract extension right before the season. And for that money, all they're getting is less than 30% shooting from three-point range. Out of 56 players who have have about 200 or 253-point attempts, he ranks fifty third, so it's just that's not where you want to be. And he's only shooting forty three percent overall. It's just it hasn't been a good run for him. It's I cringe. I I thought I cringe when I used to watch Charles Oakley take a jumper, and that's nothing compared to what I what I do when I see R. J. Barrett get ready to take a three. I just I I close my eyes like I'm watching a horror movie. And I'll listen to it for the crowd to see if it comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, what do you got for underachiever?
1: Who knew that this episode of 48 Minutes was going to be dominated by New York Knicks overachievers and New York Knicks underachievers? Because my underachiever is Evan Fournier of the New York Knicks. The man whose nickname is Don't Google Fournier. And I promise you, people, don't Google Fournier. You'll probably throw up if you do. Uh, Don't Google might as well be called Don't Take Off Your Warm-Ups. Because that appears to be what Tom (laughs) Thibodeau calls him. Uh, After signing an extension with the Celtics in 21, he was in a sign-in trade, ending up with the Knicks. Basically, Boston traded him to the Knicks for a bucket of warm spit before the 21-22 season. And his first year with the Knicks was pretty solid. He averaged 14. He started 80 games. But this season has been a complete washout, as he's only played in 23 out of the team's 60 games. He went almost six straight weeks between mid-November and Christmas and didn't play a single game. His field goal percentage and three-point percentage are both career lows. He signed for two more seasons, with the second being a team option, but I would say don't expect the team to pick that option up for the 24-25 season, because this guy is not worth the money.
0: All right, and I'm going to venture away from New York for my underachieving pick, and I've got... Davis Davis Bertans with the Dallas Mavericks, also known as the Latvian Laser. Not sure if you guys knew that. He's making $16 million a year in an era where the three ball is of the utmost importance. This guy should absolutely be having an, an impact on the game today and was clearly paid to be a guy to do that. And uh, he's just been a complete bust since inking a five-year, $80 million deal with the Wizards before being included in the Kristaps Porzingis trade uh, a few summers ago. And on the air, he's played in just 34 games for the Mavericks. He's averaging 4.1 points per game, less than one rebound a game. And he is shooting 38% from three in 10.6 minutes, but he can't even sniff the floor as he hasn't played in each of the Mavericks previous seven games, games that they have been without key guys. And on top of it all, He's seriously letting down the four-and-a-half-finger players club. Bertons is missing half his right shooting hand ring finger from a wood chopping accident that happened at the age of 13. The other four-and-a-half-finger player was also a one-time Maverick in Gerald Green. Gerald lost his right shooting hand ring finger as a child when he was competing with his brother on who could jump higher to touch the top of a door frame. At the time, Gerald was wearing his mother's ring to pretend it was an NBA championship ring, and it got caught on a doornail, ripping his finger right off. So, um, But but Gerald Green was a baller, all right? So, you know, Bertans has a lot of uh, work to do to try to even get into the same conversation as a Gerald Green. I'm shocked that he's not having more of an impact on today's game. Uh, He certainly had his moments with the Spurs, had a few moments with the Wizards, and then Ever since he he signed that deal, he, I don't know if he got comfortable or what it is. If it's the pressure of living up to to the contract, but he has just been a complete disaster. So, um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed our overachiever underachiever talk here on this year's season picks, and that will get us right into our fourth quarter for listening. Listeners submitted questions, and we're going to start with a question from Jordan. And Jordan wants to know, what event should be added to All-Star Weekend? So very relevant, important question uh, for this show. Bruce?
1: Uh, my choice for an All-Star event to add is a one-on-one tournament for Saturday. Uh, we'll take eight seeded players, and we'll put them in a bracket, like we do in the playoffs, one versus eight, versus seven, et cetera, et cetera. The winners play down, and then the winner, the, the two ultimate winners that get through the three rounds will play for the title. The rules for the game will be you play to five by ones, okay? No three point shots. Make it, take it. You got to clear defensive rebounds to the foul line, and then it's one point per shot, and game to five. And the charities are going to be the big winners in this event because the winner will get $1 million uh, donated to their charity of their choice. The runner-up will get $500,000 donated to the charity of their choice. And the other six participants will get 100000 each donated to the charity of their choice. Adam Silver, come on, man. How can you not do this next year? That's a great idea. I like that
0: one. I would, I would hopefully... Expect John Morant to participate in that with all the the trash talk he likes to give out. So that could be a lot of fun. World B, what do you have?
2: Well, mine's not nearly as elaborate as Bruce's was, and it's probably not as popular as Bruce's was. Uh, but I honestly, I've the way shooters are today, and the distance, thanks to Steph Curry, the way we uh, the distance at which he can shoot with ease, and everybody seems to follow. I'd like to see some form of a half-court shooting contest at the all-star yeah. break. You get, I don't know, you know, we you do it for a minute in, the, in a three-point shootout, maybe it's a, a situation like that where you just take a minute and you go from half-court, maybe you do it from different sides of the court, of the half-court line. But let's see if how many out of uh, 30, how many out of 10 somebody could make. And, you know, you get four or five players. However, Steph would that'll keep Steph around in the all-star weekend all the time. And, you know, who can beat him? Yeah. And, and uh Donald, I th- I think that'd be fun. The way it's not like one of those things in, in college where you, as a promotion, you take a, you know, some guy out of the stands to a a uh, half court shot for tuition or something. The way shooters are now, it's not, it's not the most impossible of shots anymore. So maybe you could get somebody to hit seven out of 10 from three point range and, the crowd always gets into uh, shots being made from long distance, so, you know, let's try that.
1: Did you guys All see right. last week when Phoenix played Boston, the shot didn't count, but Ish Wainwright took one and threw it in for about 85 feet, just like a football throw.
0: Oh, yeah. It didn't count.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes, it, yes. It, it didn't count. He actually played football in college. I And didn't he also have a, have a cup of coffee in the NFL, too? I thought somebody said he played for Buffalo for a minute, but – I'm not 100% certain about that. We'd have I would to, have to check on that. We'd have yeah. to have our researcher check on that one for us. So, uh, yeah. oh, wait, we don't have one. So we'll just have
2: to. <laughs> NFL tonight's a long ways away, Bruce.
1: I'm not assigning you to be our researcher. You have ascended to a much higher level.
2: Oh, uh, I've ascended somewhere, all right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Ross, Bruce, what do you I... got?
0: Yeah, I think you got the clear-cut winner here as far as having a one-on-one tournament. That sounds like a great idea and one I I could definitely get behind. As for me, I want some of these smaller players to kind of just show how athletic they are. I would love to see TJ McConnell, Ish Smith type guys just go up and dunk it. Let's let's call it the NBA Myth Contest. You know, there's a lot of guys around the league. Oh, TJ McConnell can't do this. He probably can't even dunk. You know. All these guys can dunk. I can tell you that from experience being on practice floors with these guys. They're all athletic. Let them go out there and just pipe one down on the rim and just get, get all the questions out of the way. All right. like Whatever the myth is. Oh, you know, Giannis can't make 10, 10 threes in a row. Well, give him five minutes to try to do so, you know, something like that. I think just having a myth contest of like, is it true? Is it fact or fiction? Like, can, can T.J. McConnell dunk it? I know back in the day Steve Nash would have been one of those guys. They, a lot of people said, "Oh, I don't know if Steve Nash can dunk. I've never seen him dunk." Bring him out. Let's have him out here on All Star Saturday
2: night, and let's put this myth to rest. I'll tell you what. To your point, Ross, if you're going to go that route, we'd never get we'd never get everybody to do it because who wants to be yeah. known as this? I would take all the you know my part B of my contest would be a three-point okay. shooting contest with the worst shooters qualifiers <laughs> in the league. You have somebody like Giannis to go around the, the thing and all the other R.J. Barrett, who I mentioned, is just her- horrific. Jabari Smith has been one of the worst in the league this year. I know it would be littered with Houston Rocket players. There's nothing you can do about it this year. But uh, you take the lowest qualifiers in the you know however many, say 200 attempts, The ones who were the worst, the five worst, to just have a three-point contest and watch that ball clank.
1: (laughs) Maybe we we could do something with, like, you know, layup lines. I'll never forget Tim Legler at ESPN Zone, who played, you know, 10 years in the NBA. I forget the guy he told me this about. It was a big guy who didn't play much. And this guy used to keep track of his points in the layup line before the game. So So Legs is like, again, I forget the guy's name. He's not a big name. He's here. Uh, yeah, I had 47 in the layup line tonight. <laughs>
2: here's here's the deal. There are 45 players who have attempted at least 300. Here's your bottom five on that list. This is actually – this could be a good thing. LeBron James is the worst among players who have 300 attempts. Dylan Brooks is next. Trey Young, Keldon Johnson, and I'm sorry, Bruce, Jalen Brown. And then you could add Jalen Green from the Rockets. So I guess I was – it's outlitered with Rockets. But those are some big names. Now, who wants to embarrass themselves by being a part of that contest? I'm sure LeBron would not like that for his image. But that would actually be a fun – you know, the, the first one to five wins.
1: Yeah. You know, another thing I was thinking about, and, again, I'm not sure if scheduling-wise it would work out. I think it would be great for them to add something with – WNBA players. They used to have that kind of three yep. on three game that they used to do or whatever that yep. was. But you know, maybe maybe something to just show off some of the skills that the WNBA players have might be kind of fun. And I'm sure they could get a good sponsor for that one. There's no doubt in my mind they could. Yep. And uh want to
0: thank Jordan for that question. Uh certainly an entertaining one and uh brought some good thoughts out of us. So we appreciate it, Jordan. Uh, our next question comes from Nick, and Nick wants to know, Do we expect uh, who do we expect to ascend to the next level post-All-Star break? And I guess with this one, uh, you could go with
1: player or team. Bruce? I, I like the Toronto Raptors. Uh, adding Jakob Pertl was a solid move at the trade deadline. He's going to be a free agent in June, so he's going to be putting it all out there for the final three months of the season. He doesn't stretch the floor on offense, but he scores efficiently around the rim. I mean, a field goal percentage over 60% for his career. He had 30 points, nine boards, and six blocks the other night against uh, World's Orlando Magic um, on Tuesday. And there is talent on that team. I mean, they won the championship four years ago. They still have Pascal Siakam. They have OG Ananobi, who's currently injured. They have Fred Van Vliet, Precious Achua, and Gary Trent Jr. I mean, they need to pick it up on the road. Uh, where they're just 10 and 18. uh wait was Trent traded or no 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 okay so Trent's still there uh and uh they gotta pick it up on the road where they're just 10 and 18. uh of their final 23 games only 10 are at home and 13 are on the road but i still like them i think the pertle thing um uh, i think you know he's gonna play some really good ball for those guys and complement what they have really well i think they'll have a good second a good stretch run
2: he already has played well. They were that 30-point effort the other night. Yep. Absolutely. World Bay, who's your pick? Well, I mean, you could either go – it's either – for me, it's either the Clippers or it's Kawhi Leonard. Take your pick. I think uh, I talked about the Clippers a few uh, episodes ago, and they haven't gone in the tank, so go figure. Usually that's how it works when I when I give them pub. They go right into pooper. But the Clippers are still <laughs> there, and, you know, they – there are – just a few games behind third place. Now they're in fifth place, but they're just a few games behind uh, the Kings for third. And now that, as, as those guys get healthy, Kawhi and Paul George, and they made some, you know, they made some moves. I'm still a little curious about getting rid of Luke Kennard and bringing in uh, 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 the bones and uh, who Eric Gordon, excuse me. Yep. And we're, you know, I don't know where that fits in as far as, continued uh, success but they have if those two get stay healthy they could really seriously be a contender in the west i firmly believe that they're only as they get healthier they're only going to get better so i'm watching for Kawhi leonard to really become back to his superstar status he's he's looking like he's doing it already and i'm looking for the clippers to really make a, a run in the west
0: and there have been some talks already ongoing about Russell Westbrook. I guess he's been linked to the LA Clippers and having oh, discussions with them. That's where it so goes. And that's where it's going it, to go. There could the be a wrench day. thrown in that's, there for you, be that's,
2: that's, that's where it all goes wrong. I, I knew there had to be a catch to this.
0: <laughs> well, uh, sorry, Nick, but this might be a little boring of a take for you. But I think the team that's going to ascend is going to be the Phoenix Suns post-All-Star break. Of course, they are expecting Kevin Durant to join them on the floor, lace them up. And I think this team is already um, you know, picking up some steam here with Devin Booker and Chris Paul back healthy in that backcourt. I think bringing Kevin Durant along for the ride is only going to continue to elevate this team and finally hush up all the uh, stuff going on in Brooklyn, which I might be talking about with today's final thought. Uh, but I just think adding KD into the mix with uh, DeAndre Ayton playing better, Devin Booker back, Chris Paul – back healthy as well is only going to carry this team and make them a real threat uh, for the NBA title this season. So with that, want to thank everyone for their questions on this episode. And that leads me right into my best bets as I was talking about Phoenix. Uh, As we head into the all-star break, let's just take a quick look at the current odds on FanDuel for top teams to win the NBA title as it stands right now. Top team right now at plus 270 is the Boston Celtics. The Phoenix Suns have moved right ahead to the number two spot at plus 500. Take home the crown. The Bucks are at three at plus 410. Nuggets at four plus 750. Clippers at five at plus 1200. And the 76ers at plus 1400. I mean, kind of looking at those odds right now, I like... The Phoenix Suns at plus 500. I think I would jump on those before they get down. And they will certainly go down as soon as Kevin Durant starts playing, uh, based on my my take of who's going to ascend um, post-All-Star break. And, you know, they just added Terrence Ross. Uh, that's something we haven't mentioned on the show. Add some shooting. I think he's still got a little left in the tank to help a contender like Phoenix. And, you know, they're getting good minutes from their role, guys. Torrey Craig's been solid. Doesn't always show up in the box score, but he plays tough defense, boxes his man out and allowing other guys to grab rebounds like DeAndre Ayton. And then, of course, they also have Ish Rainwhite, who's been playing, as Bruce mentioned earlier. Uh, He's a tough guy, kind of like a P.J. Tucker light, four-man's P.J. Tucker, uh, who's shown some skill. And Josh Akogi, a guy that had some extended run with the Minnesota Timberwolves, has put together some good string of games for them. So I think they got a lot of good things going on as is. And uh, with Kevin Durant, all things are possible. So I like the Phoenix Suns at plus 500 on FanDuel. And uh, with that, we got our final thought here on today's podcast. And Bruce, we'll go ahead and get started with you.
1: Michael Jordan turns 60 years old on Friday, which might be today as you folks watch this. But instead of receiving a present, he's giving one. MJ is celebrating the big six-zero by, no, by donating $10 million to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. It's the largest donation by an individual in the 43-year history of the charity. Jordan first supported Make-A-Wish back in 1989. He's granted hundreds of wishes to children all over the world, and he remains one of the most requested celebrity wish granters. I say bravo, MJ. You'll make many more wishes come true with this amazing gesture. Happy birthday indeed.
2: World be final thought. Well, I'll go back to what we talked about the All Star Saturday and all the events that are going on. I just wanted to point out uh, how much I I really enjoyed the three point contest and always have. I think not just and not just because I could never dunk a basketball if I stood on a ladder. Uh, it's because you know it's been a really exciting contest since they started. You've always had you've had the history of it, you've had your expected winners like Larry Bird, Steph Curry, Clayton, but you've also had the unexpected winners like Carl Anthony Towns last year. The only center to ever win this award, Paul Pierce. I bet you didn't know won this uh, contest back in 2010. Kyrie Irving won this contest as a 20 year old back in uh, 2013. So, you know, only seven guys have won it twice. So usually have multiple, you know, it usually changes from year to year. Um, how many knew that Daquan Cook won this event back in 2009 with Miami Heat? How many know that Jason Capono won back-to-back events, you know, at the three-point show? And maybe you do know that, but did you know that he won it for two different teams in back-to-back years? One year he did it for Miami, the other year he did it for Toronto. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of history behind this. I know they changed the rules a little bit. I don't know why they changed the rules. They should just you make it, you make it. The one who makes the most wins. I don't know what, what more needs to be done with it, but whatever. And it's always been my favorite event because I always like the outside shooting, and and we usually are never disappointed at this event.
0: All right. And as for my final thought, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Mikel Bridges. as Frank Isola just came out and tabbed him. Brooklyn Bridges out in uh, awesome. Brooklyn this year That's with great. the Nets. That's so good. He had an outstanding game on Wednesday night, uh, against the Miami heat at home in a victory. He had a career high 45 points on 17 of 24 shooting four, six from downtown, eight rebounds, five assists. And why not just add two blocks, two steals, just an incredible game by Mikael Bridges. We had mentioned on the show that he is certainly got an opportunity to rise to the occasion and become a star on this Nets team. And, uh, Certainly seems like he's doing so, and I want to give credit to a lot of Suns fans. I know that he was a beloved Suns player, and I saw a lot of encouraging posts and congratulating him by Suns fans. I think they're really happy for the success he's having, and you know sometimes we we lose sight of that. I think sometimes uh, a lot of teams like move on right away from guys or. You know, hope they don't play as well because it, it looks bad as a trade. But I'm seeing a lot of support from Suns fans for Mikael Bridges, and uh, diver- d- deservingly so. And uh, I couldn't be happier for for the guy himself and for uh, you know taking it upon himself to to go ahead and and take advantage of this situation. I mean, he could easily just sulk that uh, the Suns had traded him away after he helped elevate them to a Finals run, and uh, he is becoming a key piece to this Brooklyn Nets team. So. Shout out to you, Mikael Bridges. And uh, with that, that will do it for this edition of the 48 Minutes Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this fabulous all-star weekend.